was always kind of taught to dream big and think like a leader. How can we hack the system? We are producers to its core. We're makers. That was that moment where I was like, yes, like this was a big one to put us on the map. Creativity is messy. Perfect is boring. That to me is good creative. That to me is success. You can see talent in people. We want to go create the next best brand in the world. This is who we are and this is what we do. This is Creatives Off Script. Marty Beardsley is an anomaly in this industry. With 25 years of experience at one agency, the world-renowned Wyden Kennedy. There she led and transformed their integrated art production team and created award-winning work for Wyden's legendary client roster every step of the way. As her second act, Marty has now joined Swift as the chief production officer and oversees their 30,000 square foot in-house studio and team of producers, editors, animators, and more. Welcome to our show, Marty. Thanks for having me, Nate. Yeah, of course. So, You went to University of Oregon right there in Nike's backyard, Wyden Kennedy, of course. Just curious, when you were coming out of college, what was your goal? Like, what did you want to be when you grew up? Well, that's a great question. I I went to the U of O where I studied both psych and communications journalism. I was actually first interested in studying the the behavior of people. So that's where I leaned into psych. But my creative side kept gravitating me to the J school. So I ended up doing both. When I graduated, I was like, okay, I'm not going to go back and get my master's. I'm going to go into the workforce, So, which leaned into my communications background. Back then, there was really no advertising program within the U of O like there is today. So to be honest, I didn't really know what the hell I wanted to do. I went from there. I waitressed, and I did side wardrobe styling gigs for productions. Styling was always something I was interested. I would naturally style my friends, whether they asked for it or liked it or not. That's just what I did growing up. And one of these shoots, I was introduced to a producer from Wyden and Kennedy running the set. I immediately asked her a thousand questions. I was like, so wait, you put this entire team together. You're responsible for overseeing the vision. It was just like bingo. I immediately knew what I wanted to do. From there, I started out entry-level at a small agency called Leopold and Cattell, wearing a lot of hats. Then from there, I did a short stint at a production company before finally getting into Wyden and Kennedy, which cut to the most wild, utterly insane creative playground, otherwise known as the Island of Misfit Toys. And I never thought I would be anywhere for 25 months at that time, let alone have it go on to be 25 years. I want to say when I started there, there was maybe like 75 people at the time. There was no open roles in production, but there was what was called then traffic, so which is now project management. So I went in with the aim of learning and moving into what I knew what was my calling. And back then, I mean, we're talking way long ago, there was only two production entities. There was broadcast and what was formerly known as art buying that primarily focused on printing out a home. So leaning more into my love of all things visual and my knowledge of art and photography and fashion and design, within a year, I became what was called an art buyer. And almost immediately, I was shooting celebrities and Nike athletes with A-list photographers traveling all around the world. I was way over my fucking head, learning as I went, as I went, you know, learning from the best of the business. It was honestly a sink or swim environment. There was no such thing as onboarding or even training, really. You were just expected to dive in and figure it out. 
Over time, I became the head of the department. And then later on, as Wyden and Kennedy opened up other offices, I helped support and set up departments in New York, Amsterdam, Tokyo, London, and Shanghai. Again, way over my fucking head, but figuring it out as I went, learning from my failures mostly. Around the boom of digital and social in like 2005, six, seven, we pivoted to expand our remit from photography and illustration to events, experiential, activations, live action video, animation. We became multidisciplinary producers, changing our name and output. I continued to support offices globally to ensure the same evolution was happening across the network, which was a super exciting period of growth and change. I'm the type that gets bored really quickly, and this challenge couldn't have happened soon enough for my team and I. Around this time, I also became a proud mom of two awesome kids. I remember setting up lunch dates with women leaders in the agency I admired, People like Susan Hoffman and Becca Van Dyke. And I literally took them to lunch and interviewed them about balancing, you know, being a mother and working. I was always a bit of a workaholic. The industry was so demanding and I couldn't quite wrap my head around how it would all work. Back then, it was a far cry from the support systems that agencies and businesses have for mothers today. And it felt like there was a lot of new mothers that moved on by choice. And I loved what I did and I didn't want that to happen. At the same time, whenever I, whatever I do, I go all in. So I wanted to be both a great mom and still give 1,000% to work. Susan Hoffman was just like, quit overthinking it. You're bored to be a mom. Just do it. <laughs> Everything will fall into place. And she's like, besides, kids will raise themselves. I was like, you're insane, <laughs> but okay. And that's, you know, where I'm perhaps most lucky during my time at Wyden. My direct bosses were Dan Wyden, Susan Hoffman, and Bill Davenport. I mean, these are the true legends of Wyden and Kennedy, who I'm all very close to to this day. They, along with the the late David Kennedy, of course, they're indisputably the greatest of the greats in the entire industry. And they're even better human beings. They're all uniquely different. But what they have deeply in common was leading by their actions, not words. Their actions or values were solely around creativity and culture creativity about doing the best, most groundbreaking work of your life, work that's never been seen or done before, work that changed the game of advertising. And the culture, allowing all the misfits like myself, the crazies of giving freedom and acceptance for all of us to just do us. Another great Dan Wyden story about leadership and leading by example is the time I got called into his office out of the blue in the most urgent, serious way. Now, I was often in his office for this or that, pushing, giving unsolicited advice, listening, and being a bit outrageous, shall we say. We would just, he and I would debate, we'd challenge each other, we'd just eat lunch. But on that day, I had no idea what the urgency was. I was like, oh shit, what did I do now? Because for once, I couldn't think of anything. And when I sat down, he was very serious. And the first thing out of his mouth was, are you okay? I just want to make sure you're okay, the agency, the culture's okay, because you're really quiet lately and that's not like you. And the agency, as a matter of fact, is too quiet. You know, everything feels processed, streamlined, and normal. And where's your brand of crazy been? Where's the chaos? All of which was really concerning to him. And I was like, (laughs) who in the hell does that? I was in trouble for not causing enough trouble. 
because uh, Dan knew chaos creates energy and tension and debate, which leads to possibility and creativity. He knew the power of disruption well before it was ever a buzzword. And this was the culture he created, right? And he wanted to protect, you know, all around free thinking, individual expression, radical fun and possibility. And everyone, you, you just felt the power of acceptance at every turn that gave you the permission to do all those things, right? Again, just like incredible leadership. Um, and these amazing teachings are forever in my DNA. And I am beyond lucky and grateful to have learned from the master. And then about four years ago, I needed to make the hardest decision of my career and leave Wyden. Instead of just leading departments, I had the opportunity to join the executive leadership team at Swift, where I could be on the front lines to help set and lead the vision for the agency as the industry continued to radically change and evolve. And of course, I've known about Swift for years. Its reputation is an amazing place to work. Being on the cutting edge was well known. And as a female-founded, female-led creative agency, founded 15 years ago, well, it was before a trend is pretty fucking incredible. So to be able to partner with trailblazing badasses who were at the forefront of the social movement, you know, the start of Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, everything, it's been a wild ride. And I've learned so much alongside the smartest, kindest, most fearless people. I can't even begin to describe it. Liz Valentine, the founder, who will be forever be my friend as well, you know, she went on, as founders do, with her free entrepreneurial spirit. She passed the baton to another badass woman, Talia Monaleski. And Talia is a baller. She's fearless and relentless in her pursuit of making the best work. And like me, she comes from a creative-driven agency. She goes back to, like, Crispin and 360i. So we share those values and have a meaty understanding. I've learned so much from her already. We're having a shit ton of fun. And I'm beyond thrilled about our new CCO, Ned McNeilage. He's an old, dear friend of mine. We go way back in the early Wyden and Kennedy days. Ned's a visionary. He was way ahead of his time at Wyden, extending campaigns into the entertainment and tech spaces. He made the most iconic work for Nike and Miller, work that's still referenced to this day, to be honest. He went on to lead the creative team at CAA for nearly a decade, diving deep into the entertainment space. So having his mix of advertising, tech, entertainment, it's a perfect vision, perfect fit for Swift. Yeah. And above all, his kind heart and leadership, you know, and together he and I grew up watching and learning from Dan, David, and Susan, putting the work in the people who make it first. So it's kind of funny. It's, it's all come full circle. You got to love the universe for that. Yeah. And that's a, it's a trend I've noticed, you know, talking to a lot of successful people is it's, it's like, you never know who you're going to work with again. It could be 20 years down the road. So it's really interesting to hear that from you as well. hundred percent. And just going back quickly to White and Kennedy, you know, you mentioned there that you are somebody that gets bored easily. You need change. So what was it about White and Kennedy that kept you there for 25 years? Great question. It felt, honestly, it, it was 25 years, but it felt more like, like, 10 different agencies within that time, right? You know, you have a change in clients. You have the change in the industry. You have the change in people. I was so lucky, so lucky to have the opportunities to, you know, go to all the different offices and set up the departments there and work from there. I spent a fair amount of time in the New York office in particular. I just, I've been very fortunate and I'm a big believer in energy with gratitude leading the way. I've experienced so many amazing things and my epic failures have helped shape me 
places I've traveled to and the most fascinating people I've met along the way. I mean, it just like every day was different going into work. It was not like the, the day before. And so that kept my, my curiosity constantly challenged for as long as it did. Yeah, it seems like you kind of jumped on a rocket ship talking about when you first joined that it was just 75 people and then you went on to open all these offices around the world and expand the department. It sounds like something that could definitely keep your interest for a couple of decades. It did. I mean, I, I opened up departments and, and there was a whole team of opening the offices, but I just did my, my, small, my small part, but it was really challenging and really fun. Yeah. And no roadmap. That's also kind of fun for me. I I like to make my own roadmap a bit, and Wyden allowed me to do that. Yeah. How would you say it changed the most from the day you started until the day that you left? Oh, wow. That was a question. I mean, just like life changes, right? I mean, that's one thing we can all count on is change. And if you don't change with it, you're irrelevant, right? Obviously, the biggest shift was Dan, David, the the founders retiring, basically retiring. So that leadership piece, you know, is going to have a huge change naturally. And Dan was always very, very involved and smart about trying to make sure that the next leaders would keep the vision of the agency. And like I said, like the, the values and the principles of the agency. But yeah, I mean, it's just like... The world's changed, right? And and the industry, the business has changed. You know, digital and social did a huge thing. You know, obviously, Widen is rooted in more of a traditional. So the constant learning and reshaping and refiguring out to meet the social demands and the social, you know, realities of behavior and how you find advertising in those spaces was, you know, a constant challenge and is a challenge to this day for all of us. And yeah, as you mentioned, I mean, the, the industry changed, I mean, so dramatically over that period, right? I mean, just the rise of the internet and social media and just the explosion of content. I mean, what were, what were some of the most dramatic changes that you had to really spearhead to adapt your department to the changing times? Well, skill sets, you know, we were focused on, you know, back then stills and out of home. And so going to motion essentially was, was a big one. And a lot of it was just natural too, though. You know, if you're a creative producer, you get in there and you problem solve. Um, you know, you're an extension of the creative team. You know, you have the desire to make shit happen and problem solve, problem solve, problem solve, being our second nature. So, you know, expanding into different capabilities, it's just second nature. As long as, like, the biggest thing, the most important thing is adding value to the work. And hybridized creative producers, in my opinion, now, as we're continuing to evolve, like, those that can write or edit or art direct or filmmakers themselves, you know, again, adding creative value. It's not only good for the work. It's essential for all of us to flex our creative muscles in a variety of ways. So great producers that have a deep curiosity um, taste and passion and an encyclopedic knowledge of artists and photographers and directors and musicians. You know, I've always felt that you can train and teach the fundamentals, but taste, passion, curiosity are, to me, inherent or they're not. And it's the most important quality. That, of course, and being kind and being able to get along with all types of people because God knows this business has got the gamut of personalities covered. Yeah. 
It's interesting you say taste. It, it brings up a quote. I can't remember which director said it, but it was essentially a director's most important skill is good taste, mm-hmm. right? And it sounds like you you really, that sounds like that resonates with you as, as one of your qualities as well. Yeah, again, you just can't teach it. It's like, and there's lots of different interpretations of taste, which is great. But it's ta- like, it's just, it's that curiosity, it's that taste, it's making something look better than you found it represent itself better than you found it like adding value to the work and so like you know it's executional excellence right there is this line that sir john Haggerty from bbh did he said a hundred years ago he said advertising is 80 percent idea but also 80 percent execution fucking love that (laughs) and it's like if you look at like the you know the music industry or the film industry it's like Mick doesn't happen without Keith mm. Justin Timberlake without Timbaland Andre 3000 without Big Boy you know you could go into Wonder Girl and all her collaborators moving over to movies like David Fincher like Sion is right there with him all the time you know you got Spike Jones and Vince Landay and Spielberg and Kathleen Kennedy like mm-hmm. It's an extension of the creative team and a creative being that has a desire to make shit happen and adding value to the work, as I said. Yeah, it's great advice. And so you had the opportunity to do what sounded like a really cool project. I'd love to hear more about it at White and Kennedy. Can you tell me more about the White and Kennedy Gallery? Oh, yes. Oh, and the gallery's still going to this day. It's so great. Gosh, this is so long ago. So Wyden started, a, created a new building in 2000. That's how new it is. <laughs> and in that lobby was this empty space. And my colleague Storm Tharp and I were just like, we need to do something in this space. And we partnered with the internal studio team and, you know, started kind of just, you know, grassroots on getting local talent to share their work you know, different types of artists. And then it kind of grew into more international artists, making sure that we are looking at all the different types of mediums that could be shared in this space. And it's just a great collection of different perspectives, different voices, different artwork and all of its varieties and a shared space for people to come to and have big events and parties. It just turned into kind of the center of the agency as well. I loved my time. I miss my time at the gallery. People still hit me for questions or suggestions or this or that. But it's just, you know, to give people a voice and an opportunity to share their work is so awesome, especially like BIPOC talent. And they're continuing to do a wonderful job with the gallery, even in COVID, still having some great shows. You should, if, you, if you're ever in Portland, you need to come check it out. Yeah, I would love to do that. Always love a good gallery. And so... From there, you've moved on to Swift, as mentioned. Tell me, what does a day in the life look like as chief production officer? And are you still doing traditional print out of home or has everything pretty much shifted to video interactive? It's the whole gamut. It's the whole gamut. It's just so dependent on the ask from, you know, what the, what the ask is from the client, what the deliverables are. We always try to do more, you know, we have this, like you said, a huge, enormous studio space with a industrial kitchen, multiple shooting sets. We can have multiple, multiple different productions that go on at at any given time there. We do events in that space, which is also really, really fun. And so we either flex, you know, 
and, and, the, and the speed of things, just having that space within the office and, and just it's truly a maker culture. It's the heartbeat of the agency, the, the, the studio. And have that there, it makes everything happen so much faster, so much more organically, so much more collaboratively. It's just, when you come to Portland, you need to also come over and see our space. It's just, it's just amazing. It's beautiful. And we also, of course, flex outside of that. And so having, you know, deep relationships with the best directors, the best photographers, the best stylists, the best artists, illustrators, animators. So depending on the ask, we will either do it internally or we will flex externally and and partner with trusted and upcoming talent in those spaces. Yeah, that was actually going to be my next question, which you, you kind of answered there, but sounds like you do a, a blend of in-house and external. But I was curious, you know, are you a soup to nuts, all full in-house production when you need to be? I mean, do you have obviously producers on staff, directors, editors, animators, like pre to post? Does that sometimes on some projects all happen within Swift's walls? Yeah, sometimes we have in-house creative producers that, again, and, you know, some of those are filmmakers themselves and editors. We have an in-house editorial, um, motion graphics, design. You know, we have permalance photographers and directors. We, again, we just, we want to make sure that we, our output is meeting the, the, the brief and the creative vision. So we, we're, we're still very picky about, like, exactly how is that going to look and feel, and then we just move quickly to determine, is this something that is best done in-house? Do we need to flex out? And it's, it's great having both worlds, to be honest. Yeah, it's really amazing when you see a creative agency like yourself that just has this amazing internal capability. And not just the capability, but the DNA of actual producers and production people to make these things happen. I've had a few guests on the show that have you know a similar model, and I think that that just seems like a really exciting place to be because you're not only coming up with the strategy, the concept, but then it's like, let's just shoot it, let's produce it, let's put it out to the world, all within the walls of your agency. It's amazing. It, it really is, and sometimes we just play, you know? It's just like, let's make some shit, even like... And see what happens in there. So to proactively get ahead of things. It's just like, again, creative-minded people, as you know, we need to be making something. Yeah. You know? And so even if, like, you know, there's not that specific ask or we want to get ahead or pitch a different idea, we have the resources and the tools right there to do it. And we end up having fun, you know? And that's what it's all about, right? Is just making great work, collaborating together and having fun. And so the studio space you know, just by design allows us to do that more readily. Yeah. How many pieces of video content would you say you're producing per year, if you know off the top of your head? Oh, God, I don't. So many different brands will have various work streams and different versions. We just recently did a really fun spot for purple mattresses. Have you heard of purple mattresses? Yeah, of course. And that was so much fun. And there was like probably 10 different versions that we did for that brand and are still, you know, launching it now. Also for Gatorade, Moss Valadaris, our creative producer, he's been on like six months of just very small, nimble teams traveling around for equity and sport and doing a hybrid of live action and also meshing it with animation. So he's been overseeing two different like 
entities all together. And I couldn't even tell you how many he has done. The volume is huge. Swift just does a large amount of volume of work constantly. And whether it's for a six second or a 15 or even a 30, you know, we are constantly cranking out different versions of things and hopefully over delivering for our clients as we do it. If you're enjoying this podcast, then check out Great Big Photography World podcast, featuring inspiring conversations with passionate photographers from around the world. There's something for everyone in this podcast, with a focus on various genres of photography, editing, creative block, business, and much more. If you want to take your photography to the next level, listen to Great Big Photography World podcast on your preferred podcast platform or on greatbigphotographyworld.com. So just to get into some of the operational stuff, because I'm sure some of our listeners would be curious, but how do you manage that? I mean, is it weekly production meetings? Do you have a team of producers that's reporting to you? Like, what does that process look like inside an organization pumping out so much content? We have weekly meetings. We kick off each week meeting with the, you know, the, the producers, the editors, motion graphics, you know, looking at the calendar of what's happening for the week. Of course, that's always going to change as the week goes, because that's one thing we can, we can expect so that we can, that we can pivot. I also have one-on-ones just to go deep with everybody to find out, you know, how can I support, you know, what can I be doing to, to help them? Because again, like there's new asks that, that come, that come in all the time. I am so lucky. One of my biggest beliefs is to just hire better than myself. People who are different than me, look different than me, people who make me better, Diversity makes everything and everyone better, more evolved, more empathetic, and just bringing on the best of the best. So, you know, identifying people's passions and something that unique that they bring to the table. Or even if they're seasoned, what do they bring different th- than me and the rest of the group? Because I'm learning just as much from them as they're learning from me. And my job is to give them the support they need and get the hell out of their way, let them do their thing, and work hard to find creative opportunities for them. You know, I've had the big productions, the big juicy assignments. They're not mine anymore. It's, it's, and they haven't been for a long time. Like, it's my job to make space and to give, you know, open the doors and make the space for people to have the exciting campaigns. Although, if there's ever a campaign taking on the NRA or something like that, no one's going to be able to stop me from poking my head in. <laughs> but yeah, I just bring in different people. I want people to have a strong point of view. You know, because differing opinions, perspective, and debate leads to better work, period. Yeah. Yeah. Great advice. And when you come and when you come see our space, you'll meet our great team. Don't keep inviting me. Like, I'm going to show up there next week. You know, do it. Do it. <laughs> I love seeing a good production studio, probably even more than seeing an art gallery. You, so, <laughs> you are welcome. I'm not kidding. You are welcome anytime. Yeah. I, I appreciate that. We are having events. We are having. One of our producers is putting together Jenny Lee. She's just incredible. She's doing an event tonight. So Netflix is coming tonight. It's for a screening called Street Food. Mm-hmm. They're coming with the director. Her name is Tamara Rosenfeld. And it's about it's about an episode around, around chefs. And Jenny happens to be friends with one of the chefs. So they are literally coming in. We are having the debut at the studio tonight. And, you know, a Q&A with the director, 
And it's just, it's going to be so fun. And she's put this whole thing together. So like, it's a space for everybody and to learn like things that are not just within advertising, but outside of advertising. I think that's so fucking important, right? Like, you know, because that makes what we do better. So I cannot wait to come check this out tonight. And yeah, when you're in Portland, if you were there, if you were in Portland today, I'd be like, you're coming tonight. <laughs> but it should be, it should be pretty fun. And check out tomorrow Rosenfeld's work. It's pretty great. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. wish I could make it, but I'm sure there'll be a lot of good events coming up there. So I, I will definitely keep in touch. So while you're at White and Kennedy, you witnessed this incredible change in the industry and your department and everything over those 25 years. What do you think the next 25 years look like for in-house studios at creative agencies? Like, How does your department evolve over the next 25 years? Great, great question. I'd say continuing the trajectory that we're on, uh, hiring hybridized makers, you know, like it's so that Swiss Army knife, so long as you have the curiosity, the taste, the, the, the drive is so needed. You need to be flexing in a variety of ways because clients and the work is just like with, with social driving it as a behavior, everybody wants something immediate, right? So how do you work quickly? I don't see that going away. And so getting this, getting a team that loves creating in that space, like grew up creating in that space, honestly, with, you know, a lot of Gen Z and millennials, like they, they know how to make content on their own and, you know, being a little less precious, you know, just when you're hiring those tastemakers and those innovators, you got to get out of their way to let them make what they're going to make the best of the way they can do it. So I, I just see it more of a continued evolution as we are right now. I'm curious, what do you think? That's a great question. You know, and I, I talk to a lot of people, obviously on this podcast about the future and, you know, who knows where it's going to go? You know, AI, does that play a part? Obviously content's just going to continue to be produced faster and faster, I think. And whatever creative agencies or creative shops can do to keep up with that pace and, you know, just that nature of content being more real time, mm-hmm. you know, so I, I think there's a, I think that the trend will continue, right? Like we've seen content uh, production timelines get shorter, content output get larger, and just the pace just continuing to increase. So I think that the agency or production of the future is going to have to be shaped around that. And that may be through technology. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, technology has allowed us to do so much, right? I mean, look at COVID and being able to do remote working. You know, we, we've always been reinventing how we do almost every production. It's like what we did last time is not necessarily what we're going to do the next time. Mm-hmm. And so while COVID was certainly the biggest shift and challenge we've ever faced, I dare I say we did it pretty quickly and smoothly and learning from each one and getting better each time. And technology allowed for that. Like, you know, it's like, and people are becoming more comfortable over Zoom and still seeing the work happening in real time and weighing in. But it's also like a form of hybrid remote productions here to stay. You know, we've proven it can be done. There's buttloads of money that can be saved, you know, sending a smaller crew and agency and clients can see the work happening in real time. So, you know, yeah, technology is going to continue to guide us there. Yeah. But you're right. Like we're just living in wild, wild, wild times. Yeah, definitely. And I'm a tech guy, so I got to ask, you know, what what tools did you use to manage that when you had to shift to remote? Like what what's your stack? Like what are you all running on? I mean, 
Mostly Zoom, honestly. Mostly Zoom. Yeah. It's just, it's served as a really, really great, great platform. You know, we, you know, we have our Slack, we have, you know, Asana and other tools that we've, that we've used in the past. But for like seeing things happening in real time, there's just nothing better than, than video, right? And, and just, and doing it that way, it's, it's pretty simple. I'm very curious to know more about your platform. I think it's pretty baller, like what you've done to um, create something, you know, mm-hmm. by design by a producer. So I, I definitely want to hear more about it and have my team learn more about your platform. Yeah, I appreciate that. Maybe we'll, we'll catch up in Portland. <laughs> yes, that's it. <laughs> You got to come to our studio and then you can show us all about Assemble TV. Perfect. That is the deal. Deal. I like it. <laughs> I like it a lot. Sounds like a deal. Producers, are you sick of messy projects, outdated calendars, hundreds of email chains, and lost files? Have you dreamed of one tool that can bring your entire production workflow together in one place? Assemble is the project management platform designed by producers for producers featuring calendars, task lists, call sheets, asset management, and more. Assemble helps industry-leading production companies, agencies, and brands streamline their content production workflow. Try Assemble today using the code OFFSCRIPT, that's one word, to get your first month free. Learn more at assemble.tv. You are listening to the Creatives Offscript podcast. So... You're a big believer in mentoring. Are you directly mentoring anybody these days? Well, outside of Swift? Yeah, or inside. I mean, my my team, but you know, one of the nice things of being also on the leadership team is really like having a deeper understanding of all departments, finance and people ops. We can't do anything without that infrastructure, right? And to our data science team, our strategy, like... Again, I've learned from the best, like Dan and Susan, especially, like they got deep with everybody. They were never 60,000 feet high. And Bill Davenport, too, it was like getting, getting in with the people and listening and learning and just, you know, making sure that they feel supported is just part of my DNA. And Outside of work, I have a couple of people that we keep in constant contact and a guy named Tristan Irvin, who I was just talking to last night, I met through Camp Caldera and Wyden Kennedy actually worked in my department for, for a bit and has gone on to be just an amazing, amazing artist. And he's had just the hardest upbringing and he has overcome so much and he's so fucking talented and I couldn't be more proud of him. And he's sober now, and we just, you know, make it a point to stay in touch and do what, you know, I learned just as much from him. I probably learned more from him. It's probably more of a selfish, selfish thing at this point. <laughs> but yes, I've been, I've been connected to Tristan, I, dare I, 10, 15 years now. And so, like, that'll never stop. You know, there's people, mm-hmm. I'm so, so fortunate to so many people that that will never stop. And like I said, I learned just as much from others as hopefully they're learning from me. And again, I've had the best examples to teach me that. Yeah, so important. And outside of work, what are a few things that you're really passionate about? 
Oh, shit, man. I wish there were more hours in the day. There is so much I want to do and try. I've been working on a screenplay series that I'm really excited about. I wish I had more time to hit it, but I do whenever I can. More opportunities to see friends and family. But my biggest focus is my kids. Spending as much time with them as humanly possible. They are both highly creative beings. Want to help them soar and win it, whatever they end up doing. This weekend, ironically, would be my annual pussy party. (laughs) 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 Can you say that on a a podcast, pussy party? You can say whatever you want. (laughs) Yes, well, I I tend to do that anyway. I started this pussy party about, God, 30 years, 25, 30 years ago, something like that. It started out, you know, a group of, after leaving college, just trying to keep everybody connected, right? And then that grew into my work colleagues. And then that grew to my neighbors. And then it was my mom friends, you know, people in the art world, just like, it's just a mash of just amazing women, amazing women coming together. There's no, no guys allowed. It's just all, you know, women and and women are people who identify as women. And we all come together just, you know, obviously to get our groove on and support and learn and meet and connect. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm a connector, So it's like my ultimate platform for connecting people. And, you know, it's everybody from 25-year-olds to 70s. Like, you know, a couple years ago, I just like my greatest moment was looking on the dance floor. And my girlfriend, who was 23, 24 years old from work, dancing, you know, black woman, dancing with this 70-something white woman that was a neighbor. And they were just dancing and just connecting and just like tearing up the room. It was so damn fun. But also in these pussy parties, it's aimed for supporting an organization. There's always a philanthropic component to it. And while I haven't been able to have it for the last three years due to COVID, you know, I still send out the big email. I still like we, we rotate, you know, where the donations should go. This year's obvious choice is Planned Parenthood. They need our support. You know, they, we've been taken backwards, you know, into the 1800s for our rights. And so getting people to come together to raise money. And so, and usually it's a pretty sh- substantial amount of money. So that always makes me feel good. And, and coming together with United Front of badass, creative, kind women. I mean, that's just the one entry point. Like you got to be, you got to be kind. That is just the point of entry and and open-minded and accepting of all all types of people, all races, all ages, everybody. It's just a big mosh pit. And it's, a, it's amazing that my house has not imploded. It's like hundreds of women at this point. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure if you're married or not, but so you kicked the husband out, girls only. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I kicked, I kicked the husband and the kids out. I'm like, bye-bye. <laughs> And I mean, and I kick them out for the whole weekend. I mean, everyone, it's a lot of people end up crashing here and we make sure everybody drives home safe, but it's, it's literally, I mean, and it's, he's around the corner, but if he, <laughs> if he knew the half of it, if he knew the half of the shit that went on, like literally, I'm not kidding when I say like, I cannot believe my house has not imploded. I mean, and it's like, it's like, I send it, this email out. I, I just sent it out the other day. It was like, oh god 750 people on it and like obviously all those people are not going to come to my house but like I'll send it out to people that I worked with back to your point of just like you never know when you're going to work with somebody again or stay in touch but it's really important to me 
connections are really important to me. And so, like, it goes out to people in Australia and London, Amsterdam and Shanghai. And just, it's just my way of saying hello, that I love them, I'm thinking about them, you know. Yeah. Give to Planned Parenthood, you know, just women supporting women. It's it's so important to me. And my daughter, it's so funny, she's just, like, starting to call her, you know, have her, she's 16, She's got her little mini party, mini pussy parties, and I'm just like right on, like <laughs> support each other. It's like it's 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 so it's so important, you know. Like yeah, I think of I think of like you know my young young self. You know, it's like it's super hard as a woman in so many different ways, especially a working woman. But I am so freaking privileged, right? And if I look back at like my 20 year old self or whatever, I need to have educated myself more on racial injustices, inequities, and then use my voice and influence to do my part in dismantling it. Like, I just look back and, and I could have done so much more. And so, like, passing that over to my daughter and her friends and my friends' daughters and their friends, like, it's, it's, it's so important. Yeah, and anyway, you asked me about my passions. That's what I would normally be doing this weekend and I'm heartbroken that I'm not, but 2023, co- a little thing called COVID. Really? Is it, there's COVID restrictions now in Seattle? No, in Portland. No, it's, I just, I just got, I just got hit with COVID finally. Oh, okay. I could not, I could not in good faith. I mean, I was planning on having it. And people yeah. were emailing me and like, I'm flying up from LA. We're doing this. Like, I just like, I finally, I had to, I had to. I, I had to cancel. It's just, I yeah. can't, I can't safety first, you know, and it's an totally. inside outside party, but still like it's inside. And like the last thing I want is to get even one person sick. Yeah. Well, I got to say, I'm pretty jealous. It sounds like a amazing party It's for a good cause. And I love that. So one last question here, if you could put any one message on a billboard that everyone would see, what would it be? That's a great, great, great question on a billboard. Mm-hmm. I mean, at the end of the day, wanting to create meaningful, positive change in the world, you know, like there's so much heartbreak. Like this is where I'm just struggling, like which one to pick, you know, we, women, like I said, we've had our rights shipped back to the 1800s. There's unrelenting racist attacks, people being killed because of the color of their skin. Children being hunted down and murdered with military weapons. We got fucking elected officials promoting fascist groups. I mean, what the fuck is that? War in Ukraine, climate change, it's here with a vengeance. It's gaining speed at alarming rates. And obviously, I don't need to tell you or anyone any of this. We live it every day. So, like, if I one billboard, I just, I can't have the one. Can we have a thousand billboards? <laughs> I just, <laughs> putting people that that are promoting awareness and actually making real change. I would put them on it if I could. Everyone from Greta Thunberg or Amanda Gorman or Elizabeth White or Nicole Cardoza. I mean, they're active on the daily, educating and promoting for real change. John Stewart, just yesterday, fighting to extend benefits for veterans. Mm-hmm. And he unblocked the vote, which is pretty badass. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you flex into the ad community. People like Cindy Gallup. I mean, she's in her 60s. You know who Cindy is, right? I don't, actually. 
Oh, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta learn about Cindy Gallup. She's in her sixties. She's an ad, ad warrior veteran, badass woman. She uses her platform and connections to continually talk about inequities, racial injustice, and ageism. She does not let up. Mm. When she sees something, she says something, and that's just badass. And so. I would want to, you know, all of those topics, I would want to put on a billboard for radical change. And those those voices, their influences have really like moved the needle and we just need, we need to move the needle more. So yeah, I would, I would pass it over to people like them and, and, and more that are, are, are making change in the world. I mean, that's what's important. That's really the shit I care about. Yeah. Sounds like a hell of a campaign. I love it. Well, I, NRA, I would love to do. I mean, we're, we are working on something right now, but I would love to see that actually take off and make real, real, real change in the world. I mean, that's what, like, one of the reasons I love this industry and this business is the opportunities we have to partner with brands to create messaging around, you know, social, environmental, racial injustices. So, like... You know, we as a collective in the, in the business, we need to use our voices and our influence and our storytelling abilities to do just that. Yeah. That's why you got to you got to give me a thousand more billboards. <laughs> I'll work on it. I will work on it. Okay. But awesome. You can give them to me when you come to Portland and visit. Perfect. Perfect. That will be my uh, my my housewarming gift for the for the massive new studio that you all have. I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> and then we'll hear more about your platform and what you've created. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. All right, when is it going to be? You know what? We know what we could also do is like have me back in a couple months and I interview you. That'd be kind of fun cuz I I just been talking about myself and that's no fun. But I want to like like as a producer, you've, you know, you came up in, in, you know, you started your own production company, right? And then now you've created this. Mm-hmm. Like, that's pretty, that's pretty entrepreneurial and pretty freaking cool. I want I'd love to hear more. So, you know, let's turn the tables and I'll interview ne- you next time. Well, first of all, thank you. I appreciate that. And I would love to be interviewed by you. I actually don't think I've ever been interviewed on a podcast. So that would be a first. Well, we're doing it. We're doing it. <laughs> We're doing it. You know what? Maybe we can even do it a little bit differently. We could do it in the studio. Oh, no, it's just, I was going to say maybe a visual. I don't know. We'll figure it out. But just let's change it up because that's what we do, right? We change it up. You guys got the studio. You got the gear. Just let me know. I'm there. We got the gear. All right. I'm going to interview you. <laughs> We're throwing this on the podcast. I'm going to because you've hit me some with some great questions. I'm going to hit you with some, too. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a little worried. I'll have to really prepare for that. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone that knows me well, they'll be like, Nate, run. Run. <laughs> She's batshit crazy. Don't let her do it. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much, Marnie. This has been a, an amazing conversation. And, and we did it without losing our connection with you in Berlin. Yeah. And me, ha- and me having all my glitches. Yeah. Big success. Awesome. Well, thank you. Nate, it's been super fucking fun. Thanks for having me. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and comment to help us spread the word. You can also find more insider content on the Assemble blog, and you can find me on all channels at Nate Watkin. 
And don't forget, if your producing team is in need of a project management solution, try Assemble today to streamline your production workflow. Our listeners receive their first month free by utilizing the code OFFSCRIPT, that's one word, at checkout. You have been listening to the Creatives Offscript podcast hosted by Assemble. 